You are second to none. Don't worry that you came in second place. You aren't second class. Hold on a second. I will take that second helping. Stop judging me. I'm hungry. By the way, Second Sighting is a great album, and I know you really want to second that emotion. On second thought, my heart does need a second chance, and I really can't wait because every second counts. See what I did there? Believe it or not, we are celebrating our second anniversary on Growing Up Rock. No sophomore jinx here, baby. Okay, let me get my second wing. Now, crank it up! there hollywood it's round two baby and i do mean round two we are into our second anniversary episode and this one comes a little bit later than we should have normally put it out but hey we had a whole lot going on with rock and pod so we do what we can to get it out there it's still august hopefully it'll be august when this comes out maybe it'll be early september i don't know it'll get out as soon as we can that's all i got to say about that What's happening there? Second anniversary Hollywood. You know, some marriages don't last two years. I know, right? I think we both agree that uh, we are separated by states and that makes us uh, long for each other all that much more. If we never have to see each other, we could have this relationship last forever. Sweet. Will you put me in your will? Uh, yeah, I'll leave you my Gene Simmons... Oh, yeah, the condoms that I got uh, with my vault. <laughs> I don't use condoms. I'm sure they're still operational. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. They probably come with a uh, demon-sized hole in the end of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, well, if you don't want that, let's see. I can leave you 
uh, my grunt figures. Oh, my rubber duckies. I can leave you my rubber duckies, my kiss right. rubber duckies. All right. That's enough of that. Move <laughs> on. I'll just, I'll just take myself and move along. So what's happening, man? Anything new with you? Uh, no, that, uh, man, I wanted to go to this last show they, they played in Milwaukee and because I travel so much, I don't try to get tickets ahead of time if I don't really know if I'm going to be in town. So I waited to like Monday before and damn thing was sold out and I could have went to like a stub hub or whatever, but it was like triple the price and slash, I love you, but these secondary guys, I'm not handing them an extra hundred bucks to come see you. So, uh, I'm going to have to live through my buddy, Steven here. Dude, I don't blame you. So we got back from rock and pod on Sunday afternoon. My birthday was Monday. Of course, we celebrated it all weekend long, but my birthday was Monday. A very good friend of mine who I'll just call John. Super John had an extra ticket to Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators here in Atlanta, and that show was sold out. And so he invited me to come along with him and his lovely wife and a friend of theirs, and I obliged, and I jumped right on it because I had only seen Slash once before with, uh, they opened up for Aerosmith on an arena tour. Of course, I've seen Slash with Guns N' Roses and all that, but I'm talking about Slash Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators I had only seen once when they opened up for Aerosmith, so... I was all in, dude. I went, had a great time, but let me just, let me ask you a question. I did have a great time, but there's something that went down and I'm curious to hear from the listeners. So you guys can communicate with us on our Facebook page. Sonny, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you as well. Here's the situation. I'm going to lay this out for you. So the concert took place in a very old venue and they have balcony well they have two balconies technically and my friend had seats in the balcony and the balcony has these really small old school theater chair seating so i'm a fairly big guy (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't fit in chairs all that well uh especially ones that are like as big as my thigh (laughs) and so I could have fit in that chair but my knees would have been up around my throat because the row of seats in front of me were really tight so you understand the the picture I'm painting here right uh yeah it happens to me every time I go to a theater thing at the high school yeah okay so basically I figure okay it's a concert people are going to stand anyway right for the most part especially a slash concert come on now so I get there and there's this gentleman who looks about my age maybe a little bit older maybe a little bit younger I don't know right in there and he has his young son with him and his son is roughly probably 10 maybe 11 and it's the kid's first concert And so I'm thinking to myself, man, this is awesome. This guy's a cool parent. He's taking his kid there. That's super cool. And the opening act comes on. The opening act is Royal Tusk. I don't know what it is with all these bands called Royal something. People, just stop with the Royal. So this band's called Royal Tusk. And I have to say, they were really good. I went on Spotify to check out some of their stuff. 
uh, you might actually like it. You know, it's just straight ahead, hard rock. There's some really good vocals, some good vocal harmonies. Uh, I would classify it as heavy metal more so than hard rock or melodic rock, but it is very melodic. So I don't know. It's kind of in that vein. And uh, Again, the name of the band's Royal Tusk. Go check it out. So there are about three songs into this, and I'm not sitting in my seat. I'm sitting on top of the seat, you know, because when the seat flips up, you have, you can sit on top of that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So I was doing that. So I see this guy, the father, he calls over somebody from security and he's talking to them and he's pointing at the seats and he's talking to them and he's pointing at the seats. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy bitching about? So I pull out my ticket and I, I make sure that I'm in my, my right chair, which, which I was. And he had the two chairs on the end and I had the third chair in. And I'm looking and I said, I got to find out what, what's going on. So I stepped up there and it's hard because the band's playing. So it's hard to hear and everything. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, is there an issue? And he starts yelling at me and he goes, he goes, you're sitting on my fucking armrest. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you got to be fucking shitting me. And uh, <laughs> so I go, am I in your chair? And he goes, you're sitting on my armrest. And I said, which two chairs did you pay for? He goes, those two. I said, did you pay for that one? He goes, no. I said, then go away. I'm not in your chair. And I, I instantly, I was kind of pissed about it. Because the guy's basically fat shaming me, <laughs> you know, at a concert. And he's arguing with me over these very thin chairs and an armrest at a Slash concert. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. So what do you think about all that? <laughs> Am I in the wrong here? Uh, you're not in the wrong, number one. I'm not sure I would have approached, hey, is there a problem here? I would have just let it go. Because there was a 50-50 shot, or even better, that security would have told him, get the hell away from us, we're not doing anything about it. And it would have been a dead issue, and he would have been mad anyway, which he was already. This is exactly why I would rather sit farther back and have an end chair than sit any seats in, because I got the same problem, is I don't always want to sit down, so I want to be able to stand up. And if I'm standing up, I might as well kind of inch towards the aisle a little bit. So that way I'm at the end. And a lot of the times I'll take a chair that's like in like the back row of like the orchestra. So let's say it's 26 rows. I'll be in the 26 row so I can stand behind my chair and then the balcony's behind me kind of thing. So I'm not bugging somebody. But uh, yeah, I don't think you were in the wrong, but yeah, it's a weird situation. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, the end result was three or four songs into it, the guy and his kid disappeared. So I don't know whether they got moved or whatever. But And I was kind of at the mercy of my friend because he's the one that bought the tickets. And there was nowhere else to move because it was tight. I, in fact, I did, let me just say this, I did try to alleviate the situation by having my friend's girlfriend, or I'm sorry, my friend's wife sit next to the guy in the chair because she's tiny. She's <laughs> she's super small. So I let her sit there and I moved down 
uh, and sat next to this guy who didn't care. So I did try to alleviate the situation. But yeah, it was just an unfortunate situation because I was just there to, you know, rock and roll and have a good time. So do you want to confirm again for your friend that it was his wife and not his girlfriend, just in case his wife's listening? No, it was his <laughs> wife. <laughs> it was definitely his wife. <laughs> and he's he's probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it was all good. So yeah, Slash. Let me just tell you, dude. It was an amazing show. I mean, we had seats. I posted a bunch of pictures on the Grown Up Rock Facebook page, but we had seats literally like probably six feet from Todd Dammit Kern's uh, head. We were off to the side of the stage, almost above the stage. So great seats, and Slash was amazing. Uh, he played almost two hours, man, and pretty much played – a great selection from all of his records minus Slash's Snake Pit. He played one Guns N' Roses tune the whole time, which was absolutely fine with me. He played uh, Night Train, and he played it towards the end of the set, so uh, I was 100% fine with that. If you go to a Slash show with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators expecting Guns N' Roses tunes, then you're in for a rude awakening. And for me... That's absolutely 100% fine because I really, really think that Slash has put out four solid records, in my opinion. I think he's put out some great stuff. So I love his uh, solo material, and I enjoyed seeing it live. It sounded awesome. Yeah, that's not how it used to be. So my guess is what Slash is doing is appeasing Axel. It's, uh, and maybe they didn't talk about it. Maybe they did. But it's like, you know what, the Guns N' Roses thing is back and it's in full swing. There's no reason to uh, have the fans hear that music without Axel, if at all possible. But I remember when Ro Guns N' Roses was not around, or at least Slash wasn't in it, and I saw Slash with Miles and they half the set was GNR. Yeah, you're 100% dead on. I think exactly how you explained it is exactly the right reason. And that's okay to me because after putting out four solid albums of rock material, there's no doubt in my mind to me who the talented one in Guns N' Roses was. I think you don't have Guns N' Roses without Axel. Don't get me wrong. I think Axel's unique and I think it's important to Guns N' Roses. But to me, Axel's done nothing but put out Chinese democracy. Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. What has Slash done? Slash, not only did Slash take part in all the Guns N' Roses stuff, except for Chinese Democracy, but he's put out four solid rock records, plus Slash's Snake Pit, which has some really good stuff on it. But I think it's awesome. I think he's just done really well. And I'll say this. I know Slash has always been kind of considered a guitar hero, but I've always sort of thought that Slash was a little bit slopalicious in places especially early on but i think sobriety really agrees with him because to me he's just gotten better as a guitar player i mean last night he was absolutely phenomenal shredding like nobody's business so i would never call him slopalicious now i would <laughs> i would call him a guitar hero which to me, he's kind of one of the last real guitar heroes in rock and roll. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think what the difference is, is in Guns N' Roses, you know, except for the the slow songs that they were doing uh, on Illusion and stuff like that, really had a punk attitude. So it, it, it needed that not so clean type playing. But I think it changed for Slash when he got to Velvet Revolver. The guitar playing got completely different. And then as soon as Slash's Snake Pit came out, I was like, oh, wow, this guy can actually play guitar. So I think it's style of music when he's with Guns N' Roses. Yeah, agreed. So end result, Slash, Miles Kennedy, and the Conspirators, awesome, awesome band, awesome show, two hours straight through with music. Killer, if you get the opportunity, go see it. But that's enough about that. Let's get into what we're really here for, which is our second anniversary. You agree? Yeah, so crank it up first, right? Absolutely. Well, you know what we got to do before we do all of that. We got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight got a lot of feedback at Rock and Pod, and people love this segment of the podcast. And of course, we love doing it. We're going to continue doing it. So today's Crank It Up Spotlight comes to us from a band called, and this is strange, but <laughs> it's a band called Page 38. And they're a young band from Thunder Bay, Ontario. So they're a Canadian band. And they just put out a new EP called Burning the Midnight Oil. Uh, I would recommend the band change your name because I think that name is horrible. I don't know what the meaning is behind it, but it just sounds, I don't know. Do you like that name? Uh, it's an interesting name because I was all confused because I didn't know <laughs> if you had like accidentally typed in numbers or I didn't know what the <laughs> hell you were doing. Yeah, I don't really like the name. Page 38, that's not a great band name in my opinion, but the current lineup is Andy Hubbard on bass and lead vocals, Taylor Nickel on drums, and Jacob Goodman and Noah Anderson on guitars. Uh, so they just, like I said, they released this new EP called Burning the Midnight Oil, and here's a song that kicks off that EP, and this song is called 145. Check it out. <laughs>
Yeah, that's not bad. Um, I just got to, I like it. just need to hear it a little more, but uh, I like what I heard. That's for sure. Yeah, it's straight in my bone zone. You know, it's right along that lines of ACDC, gritty rock and roll, a little bit of airborne, whatever you want to say. But I dug it, which is why I selected that. And the whole EP is really good. So if you like 145, you're going to dig the rest of the songs on this EP. There's uh, five songs total, I think, on this EP. So go out and check out page 38. The EP is called Burning the Midnight Oil. So check them out. Support Young Rock and Roll. All right, let's get into this week. Okay, so these anniversary episodes, you know, we like to keep things complicated on this podcast. This was my idea, so I figured I'd explain it. Um, So on our first anniversary, what we had done was, you know what, let's go back, look at our high school years. What were the bands that were really important to us during those four years for me, six years for Steven, because it took him a while to get out of high school. Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, talk about those bands and their first album, right, to match our first anniversary. Then what we were going to do, we didn't know if we were the next year going to do, let's do the second album from those same bands, or because there's so many bands during during our high school years, that we would talk about other bands possibly, but then talk about their second album. And then during our third anniversary, we might choose other bands or choose some of the bands we already talked about, talk about their third album. So that was kind of the thought process. So what we're doing today is we have decided to talk about different bands than we did from our first anniversary, but these are still bands that meant something to us in high school that we came across in high school. And we're going to talk about their second official studio album release. Correct. That all is absolutely confusion and absolutely correct. But I got to say, I stuck around in high schools because the parties were killer and I was dating a chick that I liked a whole lot and she was only a freshman and I was a senior. So I decided to hang out for an additional four years, baby. They did not help. (laughs) Uh, I run this podcast, don't I? Wow. That's what your <laughs> that's what you put your high school education to to run this podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So getting to the episode, I'm gonna start today. And I am gonna start with a Bay Area band called Vicious Rumors. So one of the things that would was happening during my high school years, 83 to 86, there was this bubbling going on in the thrash scene in San Francisco in You would hear bands like Death Angel or hear about Metallica or Exodus or Vicious Rumors. You know, you would see the concert tees. They weren't really on MTV a lot, maybe a little bit, but they were playing all the clubs. So once I got out of high school and I was kind of old enough to go to the clubs myself, I started uh, seeing some of these bands. I've seen Vicious Rumors uh, open for Armored Saint, saw them open for Paul Stanley, believe it or not, in 89. Saw him headline the clubs a little bit uh, when it got to the 90s. But in 1987, they released their second album called Digital Dictator. Check out this song and we'll tell you a little bit more about them called Out of the Shadows.
So how'd you like that song? I like it. I had the first Vicious Rumors with Vinnie Moore in the band. So yeah, I mean, Vicious Rumors, they were right up my alley in, in the 80s, in the early 80s in high school. So yeah, that was a cool tune. Yeah, to me, they've got you know a little bit of Queensryche in them, a little bit of Priest in them. They're still active, by the way, but this is one of those bands that's had 30 members. They, you know, the only really same member is really the guitar player, uh, Thorpe, but everybody else has pretty much changed out over the years. Larry Howe, the drummer, has been around a while too, but they're still out there and they're still, you know, doing their thing, but uh, they never really hit it big, partially because their first album didn't come out to Lady Five, second album, 87, third album, 91, and the third album, I think, was the best one. But by that time, Metallica and Megadeth owned the world. So I don't know how many more thrash bands were going to be able to outdo them. But I don't like everything Vicious Rumors has put out there. If it wasn't for San Francisco, I probably would have never even heard about them. I would say Welcome to the Ball is probably my favorite Vicious Rumors album if you want to start somewhere. Uh, But uh, that song that you just heard is a killer album, and Digital Dictator is a pretty good album too. So check it out. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. You know who Vinnie Moore plays guitar for now? Uh, UFO. That is correct. Ugh. <laughs> Should have stayed in vicious rumors. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would have been paying the bills. Vinnie Moore was a shrapnel guy, I think originally, and then vicious rumors, and then uh, yeah, UFO. Uh, so the way that I went about selecting bands for this is, I have a pretty distinct recollection of drawing certain logos on my folders at school because as Sonny pointed out, I was in school for about eight to 10 years in high school and really didn't do anything but draw band logos on my folders. So that's pretty much what I did. Whatever paid off. I got this podcast. It's sweet. (laughs) 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 So yeah, it's all a joke in all seriousness. The first band I'm going to talk about is docking. So Dokken came on my radar with Tooth and Nail, but I'd already heard some of the first album. I may have owned it already. I don't really remember exactly the timing, but Tooth and Nail for me solidified Dokken. I remember Into the Fire coming on MTV. That was one of the first videos I can recall by them. I was a huge Dokken fan. Love, love, love Dokken. And Tooth and Nail for me is probably a Desert Island record. I mean, I love it front to back. Uh, is it my favorite Dokken record? I don't know. That's really hard for me because I really like Under Lock and Key and Back for the Attack. So those three records for me, that's, that's my trilogy, Tooth and Nail, Under Lock and Key, and Back for the Attack. That's the height of my Dokken fanhood. Uh, I didn't see the band live until maybe it was the Tooth and Nail tour. Whatever tour they opened up for Dio, I don't remember whether it was Last in Line or Sacred Heart, uh, but I saw them open up for Dio, and that's the first time I saw Dokken, the original Dokken. So that was my experience with seeing them live. Love Dokken. Love this song off Tooth and Nail. Doesn't get a whole lot of play, so I thought I'd play it. Here's a little Heartless Heart, baby. Every night is 
So Mick Brown does not get enough credit, but if you look at Tooth and Nail, first of all, that song's written by Brown, Pilsen, and Lynch. Half of the songs on Tooth and Nail, including the title track, Dokken had nothing to do with writing. Yep. So half of that album isn't even Don. So I know Don is out there peddling that he was the guy and everybody was on his coattails and it was his record contract and blah, blah, blah. But one of some of my favorite songs are written by Mick Brown, Lynch, and Pilsen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think Brown and Pilsen have a really good sense of melody. And I think that that comes across. And then you add Lynch's riffs in it and you got gold. Gold, baby, gold. Okay, so my second pick, uh, because we each picked three this time, is going to be Europe. And, you know, don't anybody crash their car right now because I'm talking about Europe. But there's other Europe besides the final countdown, number one. Number two, I love the final countdown. It's a Desert Island album for me, so I don't know why people got a problem with it. But the Europe that I'm talking about is older Europe. So the newer Europe and the older Europe is actually heavier. The newer Europe is a little darker. The older Europe is actually a little bit heavier. And Norum does not get enough credit for his guitar playing. And I get it. You know, everybody remembers Carrie. And of course, that's how I came across Europe too, was MTV. And they were all over Final Countdown. And now every sporting event you go to, it's got the final countdown. They're on Geico commercials and blah, blah, blah. But hey, good songs are good songs. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't have a problem with that album, um, but I know a lot of people do. But once I heard I'm final, one of them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but that made me go backwards because I knew that that wasn't their first album. And when you go back, you hear the rawness of what Europe was. And so I picked a song off their second album, of course, Wings of Tomorrow, released in 84. This song was originally called Black Journey Through My Soul. Check out Scream of Anger.
Yeah, I got to be honest. I don't know if I've heard any of this old Europe. Hey, let me first put it out there. I like Europe. I like a lot of Europe. The Final Countdown, I absolutely hate that song. And I don't need some of the ballads. That's why the Final Countdown, the record, isn't a great record for me. I like some of the things. Some of the songs on it are all right. But I like just some of their straight-ahead, hard rock, melodic hard rock in some of the later albums. Loved War of Kings. Uh, So definitely, I'm a Europe fan, but uh, just don't love the final countdown. And this this album, I had never heard this song. I'd never heard anything off this album. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of like older White Snake in a way. Yeah, because it has, you know, it has the bluesy feel to it, but Norm rips on that song. They're still on hot records at this point. So Epic hasn't picked them up yet. And I saw him for the first time at, in 87. So that was after Countdown. I saw him in the Warfield. And then they opened for Leopard in 88. So then, you know, they were they were on their way. But there's something about Tempest's voice that really resonates with me, no matter what style of music he's singing. But then he released a solo album that wasn't that great. So it seems like the Europe recipe seems a little bit better than Tempest by himself kind of thing. That happens a lot of times. But uh, I really like the song. Yeah, I've never seen the band live, so I can't comment on live. So, you know, there's this thing called YouTube. You can just pull it up. Well, that doesn't. I don't. That doesn't count as seeing them live, though. <laughs> I mean, oh can good lord, I can pull up a YouTube video. Anybody? Shit, Zeppelin. Okay, great. I saw Zeppelin live. Saw him on YouTube, but <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So Growing Ups of the Week, the folks that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter, Jay Sabluski, Save Rock and Metal, Steve English, Mike Parnell, Kevin Packer, David Cathy, Tony Masalam, by the way, Tony, uh, that post you put on Facebook, it almost made me cry. Jesus Christ, who the hell are you? Daryl Alber, Andy LaFon, Shout It Out Loudcast, Alan Tate, Chris Sinzak, great job with the Rockin' Pot again. Brad Rustoven, Grayson Gallegos, Digital Kill the Radio Star, Kerry Morgan, Todd Herrig, Anthony Britt, Russell Woodrum, Jared Frank, Rock Doc Wayne, Mark Arnold, Peter Cicery, Heath Negley, Cole Thornton, Chris James A., Rick Friel, Tom Gelati, Craig Osborne, Scott Gull, David Hudson, Ages Rock Podcast, Eladio, Zeus, BB, Steve Wright, Dan Nation, Bill Algie, Janet Eck, Curtis Langclose, uh, Keith Rockford, I Love It Loudcast, Ivan Galezik, Jason Kearney, Larry Kusick, Stanley Lives For You, Robert Alanese, Potter Than Hell, Mark Winder 8, Mark Adams, Kalen Provo, Jeff Reed, Trevor McDougal, Jason Alexander Ogata, Bill Elam, Brian Davis, Rodney Dixon, Music Palace Radio, Gary Cap, Doug Middleton, The Power Core Channel, Rich Cunningham, and then uh, Restrained. Thank you for the bumper music, and thanks everybody for sharing, and sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. I do love that. Thanks, everybody. We definitely appreciate all the love you guys are giving us. 
please continue to do so. You can always leave us a recommendation on Facebook or you can go and leave us a review over there at iTunes or at Pod Chaser. So uh, definitely appreciate it. Keep up the good work, everybody. We're working hard for you and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. But let's get back to the anniversary celebration. All right, so that leads me to my next pick. Another band that was absolutely huge in my high school years were the Scorpions. I love the Scorpions, and I came in right at Blackout and went backwards to Animal Magnetism and Love Drive, and so Animal Magnetism, Love Drive, Blackout, and then, of course, the next one. What was the next one? I can never remember. I always get that next one. Love at First Sting? Love at First Sting. I Jesus, don't know why. how can you forget that one? That's my favorite Dude. one. Well, it, and it's a great album. It's one of my favorites as well. It just I had a brain fart for a minute because I was picturing a different album cover. And uh, I had a brain fart, dude. What do you want me to do? But listen, we're talking about second albums. And early Scorpions for me is a really tough listen. I tried Tokyo Tapes. I tried some of that stuff and just am not a huge fan of that early Scorpions. Now, that being said... There are a handful of songs that I've heard that I do actually like. But overall, far and wide, just not a big fan of some of that early Scorpion stuff. That being said, I did find something to play off of 1974's Fly to the Rainbow. Here's a song by the Scorpions that kicks off that album called Speedy's Coming.
it's interesting you mentioned Tokyo tapes because I like that version better. <laughs> well, the live version captures stuff, but of course that wasn't their second album, so I had to go with uh, Fly to the Rainbow and Speedy's Coming. It's, I mean, it's put it this way, it's better than some of that stuff on that record. It's just, I just don't dig that early in Scorpion stuff. But this is a song I can live with. And they did an acoustic version of this song as well, I think, on MTV at one point in time. Yeah, it's weird because Priest is the same way, right? So Priest early, Scorpion's early. Eh. But then like the Kiss early stuff is great. So I, well, I don't know. But, you know, and I don't feel that way about Judas Priest. Like, I like the early Judas Priest. I don't like every last song, but the majority of it I like. I get the recording part of it. Like, you know, there's nothing you can do with some of the early recording stuff. But I like uh, early Priest. I like early Maiden. I like early Kiss, obviously. But uh, I also don't love some of the early recordings of some of that Kiss, even though I love the songs, the recordings aren't necessarily great but scorpions not a huge fan of the early recordings but everything from love drive on i'm down with and uh speedy's coming you know had to find something (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) all right so getting to my last pick um we're going to talk about a song well about a band that made a song that basically could have maybe defined hair metal and that is that crazy song turn up the radio that everybody is sick of by autograph so that was off their first album of course they were all over mtv and that song was so big that you started seeing concert shirts for autograph everywhere they're a pasadena band so they were playing the clubs and uh you know the seniors were going to see them and you would every once in a while people would be talking about this band that's crazy and have you seen them on MTVs and all the videos are great and you know the total 80s videos them on stage girls in cars like it's it's what hair metal and this whole thing about I hate calling it hair metal blah blah I don't care what anybody calls it it's my music I can call it whatever the hell I feel like calling it so today I'm going to call it hair metal they had some great songs but that was really the beginning of the end because every album after that did not do as well as that first album But the second album, That's the Stuff, is actually pretty good. It did hit the charts. It got all the way to number 92. It was released in October 85. The first single did well. And then after that, it started going downhill. And every release after that, there were movie soundtracks and other songs. And then they kind of split up because they didn't really like each other. And they started doing movie scores. And one started teaching guitar and so they've been back, forth, back, forth. Now they're together again, but they don't have Lynch or Plunkett. So is it really autograph? they got the foreigner thing going on there. But back in the day, this was one of my favorite songs in high school because, you know, it's got blondes and it's got cars. So check out Blondes and Black Cars.
That is a total summer song. Love Blondes and Black Cars. Great song. Yeah, definitely dig some of the stuff on That's the Stuff. So, uh, yeah, how can you not crank down the windows, crank up the stereo to a song like that? And catchy as hell. And I remember I saw them a couple of times at the Stone, probably 87, 88, and they were on the downtrend. But, man, people were into them. And the club was 90% women. These guys attracted women like nobody's business. They were like the Northern California, well, they were from Pasadena, but they felt like Van Halen almost. But, you know, and that's so funny because they're not, they're not terribly attractive dudes. <laughs> no, even they back are then. not. They are not. E- even back then, they weren't terribly attractive dudes. So, yeah, that's interesting, but whatever. Party band, party band attracts the women. That's how it goes. That's it. <laughs> attract the women, attract the dudes. So that brings me to probably somebody that does not attract women, but he is awesome in his own right. I drew this logo on my folder quite a few times. We're talking about Mr. Ronnie James Dio. He gets a lot of love on this podcast, and that's okay because he's awesome. And his first two albums, I'm not sure you find a better one-two punch from some rock and roll albums. From Holy Diver to Last in Line, holy shit, that's two really great albums. So, of course, we're talking about second albums, and that is The Last in Line. So, from The Last in Line, released in 84, and I've seen Dio plenty of times. I saw him on The Last in Line tour. I saw him on The Sacred Heart tour. I've seen him a few times since then, uh, and he's amazing. It's by far one of the best concerts I've ever seen was The Last in Line tour. Uh, So, off of 84's Last in Line, Here's a little thing that I like to call breathless.
Yeah, that whole album rocks, and the guitar work is amazing. Love Dio. Yeah, buddy. All right, so there you go. You know what time it is. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, we went back to Stephen's freshman year, 1974, picked out Kiss's second album, Hotter Than Hell, written by Paul Stanley, sang by the incredible Peter Chris. Here is Mainline.
I love me some mainline. Dude, I was not a freshman in 74. (laughs) (laughs) Piss off. I'm not that old. Even with my birthday I just recently had, I'm not that old. Yeah, I love me some mainline. Yeah, this is the Peter that I like, right? This is his bang zone of singing. And uh, he's got a different voice than both Paul and Gene, which I got no problem with. I got the problem with Beth. I got the problem with I finally found my way. I got the problem with the whining. I got the problem with foil on the windows for no reason. You know, treating waiting staff like shit. Like, that's the stuff I got the problem with. And, well, and his drumming after 1979. (laughs) But when it comes to his singing, when he's in the bang zone on some of these songs that fit his voice really well, he actually sings the hell out of them. There's no doubt. Yeah, I like his voice. I mean, for sure. I love Rod Stewart. So, and I mean, Peter has Rod Stewart qualities. I definitely dig Peter's voice. I just don't dig his ballady, shitty album that he put out. Uh. <laughs> Although you drafted a song on that album, do you remember what you drafted? Off of that album, uh, the solo album, I drafted uh, Hooked on Rock and Roll, right? Uh, did you, or was it yeah. taken by the time you wanted it? No, because that was one of the albums I got to early. So oh, I think okay. I got hooked on rock and roll. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So that was cool. I I, end, I drafted Mainline too. Mainline yeah. was my song off of Hotter Than Hell that I ended up drafting. That is good. Well, that's a good little episode. Second, happy second anniversary. Yeah. Happy second anniversary to you. Going strong. Yeah. We got what? 110, 112 episodes out there somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's just crazy. Time goes by fast. 112, 113, something like that, 114 episodes. We've got, we've grown from my mom and grandma and my sister listening to it to now we've got the dog and the cats involved. And uh, so that's good. I mean, we've gone from five listeners to uh, six listeners. Uh, So that's pretty fucking kick ass. It's kind of funny. We know we have listeners two ways. One, they'll give us their you know second album favorites or their top five x or they'll reach out and go uh sunny there's a difference between switzerland and sweden stupid that band's not from switzerland they're from sweden and i thought it was the same shit but obviously i'm stupid well yeah we got steady growth and steady listeners which we're very blessed to have and uh we're just glad people are listening and it's amazing to see you know what parts of the country's people are listening in and you know by far probably the majority of listeners are here in the u.s but we've got good chunks of listeners in the uk and australia and even in brazil and stuff and uh it's just it's very cool to be able to touch people's ears all over the world and that's amazing to me and then have people listen uh, you know reach out to you and i get bands sending me music from brazil and uh spain and all parts of the world and, you know, just communicating, uh, with me. And it's fantastic, man. I've enjoyed this two years and I've enjoyed my friendship with you and my friendship with the rest of the podcasters. It's been an enlightening situation for me and it's strengthened my love for music and really just kind of thrusted me back into something that I was extremely passionate about when I was 16 and 17 years old. So, uh, I have nothing but love for this thing. Yeah. And and I'm with you and, you know, these friends that we're making, including our friendship, it's uh, been incredible. 
Uh, you know, there's some guys out there like uh, Zeus and Tom that absolutely are wrong about everything they say about Kiss, but, you know, I love you guys. <laughs> I love that some of these guys make me laugh between Zeus and Tom and Baco and uh, Luce over there at Cobras and Fire. Uh, I I think I bust a gut at least two, three times a week. So it's uh, it's good fun. You know, if you're not easily offended, I by all means, go listen to our friends over at Cobras and Fire and our friends over at the Shout It Out Loud cast to get your fix of plenty of cuss words and great rock and roll and a bunch of laughs as well. So... <laughs> And with, with the shout it out loud guys, they, they have a extremely unique talent. They are both on opposite ends of arguments and they're both wrong. That is unique talent right there. <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff that they, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not, I don't agree with a lot of some of the stuff they say, but, uh, it's, it's good fun for sure. And I like conversing back and forth with those guys it's always a good time have fun busting each other's balls so to speak so all right well once again happy anniversary and uh i think it's time for us to shuffle rattle and roll out and out of here all right catch you later see ya get ready to shuffle rattle and roll play us out boys dio has rocked for a long long time now it's time for him to pass the torch he has songs of wildebeest and angels he has soared on the wings of a demon it's Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 